so I'm just inviting Colin up. This is Colin Figures, if you don't know who, uh, who Colin is. Colin recently came into membership, and as we like to do when people come and join us, Covenant, into membership in the church, uh, we've just decided to, to interview each of the, the people, just ask them a little bit of testimony. Um, so, so, Colin... Don't they look lovely from this angle, mate? They do, right? I think, yeah, yeah. They do look, Looking yeah. particularly attractive they've, today. They've scrubbed up well, have they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. So, so Colin, just uh, tell me, tell us a little bit, just how you came to faith. Um, okay, and I'll try and keep this brief. That's yeah. the challenge. Yeah, this is the challenge. So. Yeah. so, well, I was born at a very early age, and in fact, probably six, about six weeks too uh, too early. So that has its own uh, drama about it, but uh, which might come come back to us but uh, this is like a little trailer because uh, lots of things I'm just going to have to quickly glance over as we go through this little uh, interview today but if you want to know more uh, invite me for a meal or I'll invite you around for a meal <laughs> <laughs> nice nice or a coffee yeah, I should have thought of that one myself <laughs> this is great yeah so uh, in the briefing you know I'm to say when I got saved and I, I can put a date to it was the 27th of July, 1973. So if you do your maths, and my name's Figures, but uh, if you do your maths, I'm coming up to my 50th anniversary of when I encountered Jesus and, uh, and he got hold of me. Or what's written in the Bible that was given to me, that I received Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, so, yeah. So this is kind of a sabbatical year, my 49th year, coming up to 50 years of knowing him. Um, now, I was born to some lovely parents, very loving, but uh, they didn't know the Lord. Um, but, uh, you know, I really thank God for my parents. But I grew up with no, very little encouragement to go along to Sunday school or anything like that. What I'd experienced of church had kind of put me off Christianity. Um, and I kind of thought it, it's all to do with middle class folk, uh, people that live in different streets from where I lived in Birmingham. And people whose dads were accountants and lawyers and doctors, and, and not, not for me. Um, but as I got into my teen years, and I kind of struggled in my grammar school, um, probably influenced by hippie-type stuff that was going on, because it was like 1967 when I went into grammar school. And I was beginning to get very disillusioned with, uh, you know, with life. Is it really all about going for that semi-detached house, 2.4 kids, and a car that you wash every Sunday morning. And I thought, there must be more to life than that. And uh, through biology lessons, I was kind of introduced to uh, life, um, you know, in the natural world. And that kind of stunned me. I remember particularly, you know, a biology lesson where we learned about the exchanges of gases in a leaf. And I thought, I'm supposed to believe that all this amazing structure in a leaf just happened by chance. And I kind of thought, yeah, that's ridiculous. So I believed in a, a creator God, but I thought, he is so big, um, you know, he, he can't really want much to do with us. And I used to think, you know, if I go for a walk in the woods, how many ants have I stood on as I go walking and not even been aware of it? And I thought the, the gap between us and God is even so much bigger and there were some Christians in my grammar school and when they talked about God loving us I thought that's ridiculous you know, he, he's so big and we're so small how could he possibly mm. love us 
Uh, and I, I'm a bit with the group. Am I going on too long? Yeah, <laughs> right. I've, got, I've got three more questions, yeah. Colin. So. Yeah, there was, a, there was a, number, a number of us that were very disillusioned with life and we're probably influenced by hippie type things. And we, we kind of dabbled a bit looking into Buddhism and Islam. And uh, a couple of my friends, they bought this Scientology machine that, uh, for some exorbitant price that tells you how spiritual you are and stuff like that. So, so we were seeking. We were seeking, we had these deep discussions. We used to sneak in and hide in the back of the assembly hall where it's kind of dark and shadows in what we called the heavenly permanent and, uh, and discuss the big things of life. So you could say I was seeking a bit. At the same time, on another level, I was very unhappy and uh, you know, felt I'd just got this feeling of being inferior to everybody else and, and not good enough and stuff like that. Anyway, my friends, they discovered uh, amphetamines uh, and cannabis. Um, and at the time, by that time, I'd become a herbalist. So amazingly, I didn't take the amphetamines. And then I've got one friend who was quite a whiz at chemistry. And um, yeah, to cut a long story short, he was manufacturing LSD before long. And two of those guys ended up being sectioned um, and put into mental health institutions by the time I was 18 because they'd, uh, they'd really fried their brains on, on drugs like that. So this is Birmingham for you. Yeah, Birmingham, <laughs> it's a fine place to come from, Colin. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, but I kind of, pre you know, I, I used to chat with Jehovah's Witnesses. I've got a good uh, Orthodox Jewish friend. I really admired what, you know, his life and his community. Uh, so I was still on this searching, and I kind of thought, well, I've got a bit of spiritual pride. I thought I was slightly better than these people that just get drunk and just take drugs and treat women horribly. <coughs> Left grammar school as soon as I could, was in a sixth form college, and during that year, I discovered I wasn't the par paragon of virtue that I thought I was. Kind of in theological language, the Holy Spirit was convicting me of my sin. And uh, after a particularly wild party, where I was quite shocked at what I got up to, me and a friend started, uh, we were hitchhiking to Fort William in, uh, in as Scotland. You as you do. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, to cut a long story short, we find ourselves, we wanted to go to Ambleside, but we find ourselves in this, uh, this little town in the Lake District in July, a place called Keswick. <laughs> and there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of these yellow AA signs around the place saying Keswick Convention and we were hoping to earn a bit of money uh, doing some gardening or washing up at the hotels and then one evening we went into the town because we were camped outside went into the town to discover what this uh, convention was all about um, and in, in a kind of square there was uh, lots of market stalls selling t-shirts, Christian books uh, all, all sorts of paraphernalia and I thought, oh yeah, I remember this from scripture lessons uh, people making money out of religion um, <laughs> and Jesus going in and turning the tables over but some people on the stand for a place called Hildenborough Hall in Kent they, they got chatting to us obviously sensed that we probably weren't <laughs> we weren't there for the convention and uh, about 8 o'clock in the evening, they came looking for us. We were still wandering around the streets. Came looking for us, offered to take us for a pizza. So, to be honest, 
very much motivated by free food. Um, anyway, couldn't find anywhere open for a pizza. Those are the days where I've never, I've never eaten a pizza in my life. You know, I can tell you how old I am, see. Um, they couldn't find anywhere, but they said, come back to our camp, because you'd be able to get supper at camp. So that led to a few, uh, a few times, spending some time with them over the next few days. And, uh, you know, I got this jaundiced view of what church is and what Christianity is. And they said, well, okay. They didn't deny that. They just said, well, have a look in the New Testament and think for yourself what Jesus was like. And I realised Jesus wasn't pro-middle class and he didn't go around blessing tanks and planes. Um, and he was quite a rebel. You know, he was quite, okay, we could say hippie, but he was uh, a rebel against the status quo. Um, and I quite liked this fellow. And uh, I thought, yeah, I could, I could relate mm-hmm. to him a bit better. But I still didn't think uh, he was for me. And I remember a particular conversation where they said, um, do you believe he rose from the dead? And I said, yeah, I've got no problem with that. You know, God's so big, he's created all this universe. No problem raising somebody from the dead. But then they said, well, he hasn't died since which means he's still alive today. And the hairs went up on the back of my neck. And that was a kind of revelation of, you know, almost, oh my goodness, and he's, he's maybe in the room, like he is here today, you know, a living God back from the dead. Um, anyway, well, this is taking far longer than yeah, I expected. Yeah, yeah. I, I had prepared, and that's the problem. <laughs> I, I primed him as well, actually. You know. <laughs> yeah. Each of these was supposed to take a minute. So. Yes, I did. Anyway, on the, the Thursday night, they took us along to a barbecue uh, run by the Sudan United Mission. And I heard two guys there giving their testimonies, basically. And one, I'll just say the one. Anyway, the, the one guy, he'd been uh, working as a missionary in the jungles of South America. And he related this experience that he'd had where he was about to be killed uh, by headhunters when suddenly they all ran away. Uh, And he didn't know why, but much, much later he discovered in chatting to some of his tribe that they'd ran away that time because they'd seen him surrounded by such big soldiers that were kind of a a foot taller than he was. And he says, but I didn't see anybody with me. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah, yeah, thank you. (laughs) I hadn't seen anybody with me. So there'd been this kind of angelic visitation that had saved his life. The other guy was uh, an East European who was working um, in the docks of Britain, uh, sharing the gospel. And again, he told a a story of uh, Jesus answering prayer, God getting involved in changing circumstances. So I'm thinking, wow, not only is this kind of a neat philosophy that explains why there's suffering in the world uh, but here's a God who's not just distant but he's alive and he's a God who actually gets involved answers prayer, changes circumstances Um, and again that was kind of a few steps along the way but I still thought no not me, I'm I'm too much of a sinner anyway they kind of tried to lead me in uh, in this prayer of uh, repentance and coming through to God and I was struggling over that and I got this vision as I'm trying to pray of uh, a dark night out in space and there was this uh, this filthy rag and I was the filthy rag 
And then they said, well, that's interesting, because there's this verse in Isaiah, which I'd never heard of in my life, but basically saying how our righteousness can be as as filthy rags, and if our sins are as red as crimson, uh, Jesus can make us, well, I didn't say Jesus, but we can be made whiter than the snow. And that kind of tipped me over the edge. And part of the whole sort of inferiority thing that I've been feeling here, it seemed for the first time with somebody that was willing, Jesus was willing to accept me just as I am. I mean, okay, it's the sin problem and all that. But he was willing to accept me just as I am. He wasn't saying, you know, you haven't come up to the standard, so I'm not going to accept you. But uh, he was willing to accept me just as I am. And that was terrific. So uh, I think you know, a round of applause, yeah? <laughs> but, but to Jesus, really. To Jesus. Uh, okay, we're just going to keep this simple. Keep yeah? simple yeah. <laughs> so I just want to ask you, Colin, so obviously coming into membership here, people have all kinds of strange ideas about what membership is. Even within the average Baptist church, I think there are all kinds of strange ideas about what it means to be a member of the church. So, so what is it for you that's excited you about being here and made you want to commit to and covenant to, with the community here. Right, yeah. Okay, well, I'll quote our, our beloved uh, Ali Tinnison on this. If you've got a kind church here, and I don't want to disillusion you too much, but if you've been around the block a few times, not all churches are kind. But, um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, saying on the positive that uh, not only was I accepted here, but I was welcomed here. And not only was I welcomed here, but I was valued as well. And so that kind of sums up nice and briefly why I'm here. So thank you for being so kind. Thank you for being so welcoming and accepting. Thanks, Colin. That's fantastic. We're going to pray for you, um, and then uh, let's go. It is about belonging together. For us, membership here is about covenanting together that we're going to walk with Jesus And we're going to walk with one another as we follow him. We're going to support each other. And we're going to be part of this thing together. You know, God calls individuals like we've just heard Colin say. But he's always looking for a people. God calls us individually. But he's always making us the people of God. So let's pray for Colin and welcome him in. Lord. We want to thank you so much for our brother Colin here. Thanks for that testimony. Thank you, Lord, that nearly five decades ago, Lord God, you were at work in his life, drawing him to you. Thank you that you've done that for each of us, Lord God. You have sought us out. You didn't wait for us to get our act together and come to you. But, Lord, you pursued us and you drew us gently to yourself. Lord, thanks for Colin's testimony. Thanks for his uh, commitment, Lord, to your people here. Thanks for this covenant relationship that we share together, Lord. Our decision is that we will follow you in love and communion together. To your glory, Lord God. Amen.